What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I host this podcast. It's about collecting sports cards. Hopefully that's why you're here. If you're not, you're welcome to. We're going to talk about collecting. We're going to talk about some things that are going on in the hobby, things that I've observed. I'm going to share a little bit about my own personal journey and perspective. And we are going to have some fun. I want to say this podcast is sponsored by a new band. It's my daughter's band. She just formed it. Um, We're still trying to come up with a name, but you can maybe hear her in the background. She's banging on things. But we're going to try to get them uh, to go platinum whenever they decide on what their name is. Um, She's going to be a hell of a drummer, though. I'm looking for a frontman. So if you know any um, young boy or girl um, singers that are looking for a drummer, um, we got a little band that we're putting a little money behind. So we're excited about this. We're also excited about our unofficial sponsor um, that came on board this week. It's not Mountain Dew Pitch Black, um, who is a premium sponsor of the Royal Rumble. Um, it is a, another beverage, um, which would be the second highest grossing beverage soda, I guess, category in the United States, which is Diet Coke. So Diet Coke uh, is the unofficial sponsor of this, the Stacking Slabs podcast. So what I do is when I'm getting sponsored, I either go internal within project we're running or I go the unofficial route. And what you've probably seen is that I don't necessarily take checks or handouts from the hobby. It hasn't been something I've done because I've got so much support from the unofficial sponsors that make me really happy, like Diet Coke. So, you know, zero calories per can, no sugar. Um, you know, it's crisp. Um, I was actually at a restaurant this week and I got the, uh, sorry, sir, we don't have Diet Coke, uh, Diet Pepsi, okay? And he said, of course, we'll do the, do the Diet Pepsi thing. But Diet Pepsi doesn't unofficially sponsor this podcast, so I don't even know why I'm giving Diet Pepsi time, but it's just not the same. So if you're going to go out and buy a fake, healthy alternative to carbonated beverages, I highly recommend you check out Diet Coke. It's very good. It fuels uh, my life and is fueling this episode today. Enough about sponsors. Did anyone else out there who watched the Royal Rumble try Mountain Dew Pitch Black? I was actually going to get some Pitch Black just to try it out um, before the uh, show and uh, things got busy and was unable to do that. But it did take me down this memory lane of uh, my adolescence and chugging Mountain Dews, um, staying up all night playing video games. Um, then you had the Code Red appearance, was which was the first other Mountain Dew, aside from the original and Diet that entered the scene. And I like Code Red. I think Code Red's pretty good. Um, you got the Live Wire. Baja Blast. I know Kyle from the Wax Museum podcast, who's a... Taco Bell aficionado. He often uh, talks about the blast. And when we were in travels, uh, traveling um, over the last summer, you know, you inevitably you make these pit stops at these 
fast food establishments and Taco Bell is always on my list. And I did fill up with some Baja Blast, which was really good. I It's very refreshing. Goes well with um, your cheesy gordita crunch or your steak quesadilla, your supreme tacos. Um, I miss the volcano taco. I will say that that used to be my favorite, um, the volcano taco. But I'm really sidetracking here. Excited to talk with you. I said this podcast was about sports cards, but it's actually about soft drinks or pop or sodas or whatever the hell you call it. But I digress. I'm sitting here recording this on in my Sunday spot, usually when my daughter's napping. That's not today. She's up practicing with her band. I'm excited for playoff football. We will have already known who's going to the Super Bowl by the time this goes live. I don't know who's going to the Super Bowl as I record this. And I got to tell you, as someone who likes to sprinkle in some bets, uh, especially during big games, I am struggling a little bit on this one. I think these are the four or were the four best teams left. I think it's probably safe to say by the time this goes live, we'll know the two best teams. Um, But, you know, there hasn't necessarily been the holy shit moments of the playoffs this year. It's been a good playoffs as it was last year, but I think it's just been pretty rock solid. And I think the cream has risen to the top. So I love playoff football. My team, the coaching search continues. Maybe we'll have a head coach by the time this goes live. Probably not. I'm super engaged. A lot of movement happening that I'm not going to dig into here because this isn't an, isn't an Indianapolis Colts podcast, and you all hear enough of that already. Um, but I will spend a little time talking about the Royal Rumble. So I told my wife, you know, go out, have fun with your friends because I'm taking over downstairs. I'm going to just crank up the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite event of the year. I Pre-pandemic, I went to four Royal Rumbles in a row. So San Antonio in 2017 which is where it was this year. Um, Then 2018, Philadelphia. 2019, Phoenix. And 2020 was Houston. And this was literally right before the pandemic. So I hit four in a row. It's a hell of an event. So much fun. This one wasn't the perfect Royal Rumble, but I just as a show, but I think in general, I always leave it like, how did you feel? Like, what is your analysis? And it made me, my analysis was it was fun. And I think if a show can be fun, That's all I really care about. And I will say, just the closing credits and the whole bloodline story, Sami Zayn, it's just the best storyline potentially ever written in WWE TV. So a lot to chew on after that. Excited about wrestling, right? And I haven't done dedicated episode in a while, but I have been spending so much time focused in on just wrestling cards. And I I say this. Whether you like wrestling or whether you don't, whether you like Pokemon, whether you don't, whether you like hockey, whether you don't, whether you like baseball, whether you don't, football, basketball, you can go on and on and on. I think there's something you can always learn about collectors in segments that you aren't necessarily focused on that are highly passionate, who are spending tons of time and energy because a lot of the things that they're doing in their segment can translate over and or could be happening before it hits your segment. So I like to every once in a while do a dedicated episode on like what's happening with wrestling cards. And so it's been a year, uh, almost a full year that Panini has had the WWE license. 
I am more engaged, invested, and energized with modern wrestling cards than ever before. And so I wanted to bring some former guests on the show who are wrestling card degenerates like myself to talk about the year. What has happened this year? Maybe set some things straight. I think a lot of hobby narratives have been created by people who aren't in it. And so I want to get the story straight and do it on a my platform. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. So I'm bringing on Adam Gelman, WWE Gelman, and Drake at Drake's PC to have a conversation this Friday just about a year in Pan- a year with WWE plus Panini. What have we learned? What are some things you like, you don't like, um, stuff like that. So excited about that episode coming at you this Friday. Like I mentioned, you like wrestling cards, you don't. I promise you there's going to be some things you're going to learn about the hobby, operating, collecting, and that's what I'm excited about. I'm really pumped for this episode. It's been a long time coming. I also want to thank John Hedges Cards for coming on, talking about his collecting so many great stories, so much passion. I got a ton of feedback on that. And I love identifying collectors in our world that are doing things a little outside the box or not focusing in on the same things everyone else is. So hopefully you learned a thing or two about John, his collecting and pulled a nugget from how he operates whether you did or not, hopefully you went to his page. It's wild. His collection is incredible. And so always looking for collectors like that to come on the show. One of the things I've been highly focused on is developing continuity between episodes. I think a ton of valuable lessons get brought up on this show. I hope I can contribute some, but I say that mostly because it's the guests that I'm curating. And I'm very intentional about the curation of voices on this show. I don't take pitches. I the, the, the people coming on my show, for the most part, are me seeking out those people. I'm, I'm very selective. I uh, want to make sure that I'm bringing an individual on that is going to share and contribute and add value. And because for me, it's, I'm just like you. I'm trying to learn and appreciate the passion. And so as we do these episodes and as we come up on 300 episodes coming soon, which is absolutely incredible that that's going to be happening here in the not not too distant future, is that if I am hearing stuff from a guest on a Friday episode that I think it's worth it to go a little deeper on, or comment on or provide commentary. I want to make sure I do that on the Wednesday show. So when I'm talking about continuity, that's what I'm saying. So I cut a clip of John saying so much changes from what he's doing now that that it'll probably look like in a week or a month or so, and he can't predict it. And I that was so relatable to me. I think when you let passion take the wheel, it can take you down some crazy unexpected rabbit holes. And I think not all of these rabbit holes will be fruitful and that's okay. It's about learning. And I think about my experience just with Colts quarterbacks. You've, If you've been a longtime listener of this show, you've heard all the stories. And you would probably, if you were sharing with your friend and describing the host of this podcast and how he collects, inevitably you would talk about the Colts quarterbacks of it all. And you know that I get overly excited. And when my team has been on the QB carousel, 
I have jumped headfirst in and started collecting those guys. Well, what's happening now in a, a couple months is that the Colts are actually drafting a new quarterback. So there, the odds are that the quarterback situations that I have bought into haven't necessarily worked out, right? So you've got the rivers of it all. You've got Wentz. You've got Matt Ryan. You've got more sustainable options like Manning and Luck, and it's the Manning and the Luck of it all that has me as a fan continuing to seek that high that those two guys gave me, okay? And I think about passion, and I think about my wrestling cards and how much I fucking love wrestling cards in the community and everything, and I feel like I'm on a playground, and I have focus on what I want to build and what I want to collect, but then I get sidetracked. And I think experiencing new experiences is everything because you get to meet people, new people along the way and learn something. And another reinforcement from John, it's completely acceptable to be the first or one of the first to collect something because you like it and no one else is telling you to like it. That's a big takeaway. I think it's a reminder. If people are hyping up something or the price is going up, chances are you're probably too late. And there's this special space that exists when you're buying because of look and feel and not perceived value. I don't think, maybe there's a mention or two, but we didn't really get into the John buying Panini 1 because he's forecasting the price of these cards to go up. Sure, he talked about his spreadsheet and the cost associated with it, but None of what he said was I'm investing in these cards because I want them to two because I think they're going to 3 to you know 5x in the next 3 years. He was buying these cards because they fill an emotional connection. A lot of it has to do with his appreciation for basketball, that set specifically and the aesthetics that it gives him. And that's really fucking cool, okay? Collecting like that if you're doing that and you're not necessarily associating what you perceive the price to be down the road, odds are you're going to be collecting in a comfortable zone, in a zone that's going to be a lot more sustainable. I think Panini one and one sunk its teeth in that dude. He talked about how that Zion blew up his brain. And to me, when you can get into a place that just grips you, and then all of a sudden, that's the safe shirt you're looking at. And it starts to feel like a project. And it starts to feel like you're on the hunt. All these things can come at us. You listening to this right now, it could be something new for you tomorrow that completely sidetracks you. And I think it's good to have structure. And I've talked about making the list. But I also think it's really important to let the hobby come at you. Getting exposed to new ideas Finding cards when you're searching for another cards. It's all part of the hobby experience. This is what I do know is true. What I do know is true is that what doesn't make sense is buying cards because you're anticipating their value to go up even when you don't care about that card. I'm really excited about the state of what's happening in the hobby, and I'm excited about what a lot of collectors are doing. I want to spend a second to talk about collector things that I saw this week that should give us all hope. When I was sitting down on my couch on Friday after an insane work week, and I got to tell you, uh, if you're going through this right now or you hit these moments, if I'm 
very invested with my professional career, being a first employee at this company and going through all the trials and tribulations of trying to build a company feels like you're pushing up a boulder up a mountain most of the time. And we had a quarter that was like a lot of people in our quarter. It was brutal uh, a a couple quarters ago and no one was buying. Recession was hitting. People were laying people off. And so we as a team hunkered down and really got focused on these are the things we want to be doing. This is how we think it can help accelerate and contribute to our goals. And we're just going to focus on this. And that's what we had done as a business this past quarter. And we're having, we as Friday rolled around, we had our biggest quarter in company history during this bleak time, which is incredible. So there's a lot of excitement there. Um, we're feeling energized. And so while I'm going 100 miles an hour on the professional side, it's these moments on Friday where I'm completely gassed. I pop open a Diet Coke, which is the unofficial sponsor of the Stacking Slabs podcast. I had to take a sip there for a second. And what I want is the hobby. I want, I want to consume the hobby. I want to turn my work brain off and I want to focus. And so I saw, usually when I open up my timeline on a Friday, afternoon time, I'm whether it's Josh or Chris, one or two, you'll see the crossover banner, just a reminder, hey, we're doing the crossover tonight. And when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I don't do this every week, but I'm going to shoot Chris a long DM of something I observed this week and would love for him to comment on it on the show. So the part of this past week that I blacked out in my brain because I don't give a shit and never want to hear about it again is this Ruth Cut Auto nonsense. I'm not here to defend Panini. I'm not here to defend anyone. I'm just here to tell you, like, I don't give a shit about it. Like, I don't care. It has no impact and it does nothing to my collecting. But and I I tend to despise and hate things that get traction because people are seeking attention. And there was no other display in the hobby like this Ruth Cut Auto George Brett mix up slash fake card slash fake card, people humping fake card, people trying to elevate their platform by commenting on the fake card, all this nonsense. Like I can't even believe I'm talking about it on the show. It sucks. I don't care hobby mainstream garbage. It's a waste of time. If you care about that stuff, I'm sorry, but I don't. So as this, as one night this week, I pull open my phone and that's what the mainstream's talking about. There was separate instances. And so what I wanted to convey to Chris is like, hey, there's three separate collector driven things that I observed this week. And I wanted them to spend some time, or I wanted to share my perspective on those things and hopefully that if they thought it was something worthy, they talk about it too, which they did, which I'm thankful for. And it got into a conversation, which is you say something, you share something, people talk about it, and then hopefully more people are talking about these types of topics. Well, those three things, which I'm going to talk about, they were all content driven and not bullshit content. I think content has a bad connotation in the hobby. I think the people who the mainstream would consider content creators can't hold the candle to this type of content that is happening in our hobby and happening in in collector circles because it's real, it's authentic, and it's here to 
educate. I do content for a living. It's how I pay my bills. It's what I've been doing for a long time. So I'm an observer and an evaluator of great content. I think developing great content at its core is about educating and inspiring. Great fucking content gets people to take the right kind of action. This content that I observed this week is inspiring me and getting me to take action where then I'm going on my content platform and talking about it because I think it was that good. You had all of them were from people that likely were not people you would probably say would be content creators. I think what you would say if I said these names, you'd probably say these people are collectors. And that should be something we should all be thinking about. Should we be trusting our information from people who don't even share their cards or aren't considered collectors? If you're a collector, that doesn't seem to make any sense. For me, if I want to learn, I want to go to the people with experience and I want to go to the people who are collectors because for me, that information is valuable. So you had Josh who posted the 09 Chrome LeBron James. This is one of the instances. It's the last card he needed for his gold, gold LeBron run. He just completed a finest gold run. He's going on IG, doing the mail day, showcasing this and sharing. That's really powerful. It's really powerful. And it could be LeBron. It could be anybody. But the fact that he is showing what he's building and explaining why and talking about the obtaining those cards, it's that's what I want to see. I want to see stuff like that. I want to hear the stories behind it. I mentioned John, John Hedges. He was on my show last week. His mail days, him going on, spending time, opening up his mail days and walking through the cards and sharing why he bought certain things. That's good content. That's stuff I want to see. I think probably the hallmark of it for me was Mike and Grant, MK Sports Cards and Waldorf Stories, documenting the deal that they made for Jordan Championship PMG. So Mike got one card. Grant got like 300 cards. They met in Chicago. (laughs) There was an Italian restaurant and there was a deal done. And for me, I'm following this in the stories. I'm following the communication, the documentation. It was a masterclass in deal making. And the fact that it was documented for me, it was like, I just want popcorn. I want to hear about this. I want to see what went in. I want to learn about the negotiation. I think for me, I always find it helpful to learn from others when it comes to the deal making and negotiating side of the things. I think there's a balance that we face when we are trying to understand how badly we need this card, need cards or specific cards. So for me, I have these three experiences that I'm observing. And on the other side, a card enters my hemisphere. So I'm having to think about this. And so what I wanted to do was con- would contribute to this. Hopefully, I can share this experience that I had this week. And if you're in a similar situation, you can learn from it. So I want to close out this episode by, first of all, giving roses to those three instances. And if you have are making deals, you're doing content, like you're collecting cards, like start documenting it. Like people like me appreciate that in Instagram. We, we want to learn from, from you. That's the type of content I want. But I think for me, what I've, what I've observed personally through my experience is there's a, there's, when we're trying to obtain cards, there's the price and our ability to obtain cards at the price that we feel comfortable with, comfortable with. And then there's fit or how the card contributes to the story that we're trying to tell with our collection. 
And as I've gained experience in the hobby and spent thousands of dollars since I've been back, I've become more observable of those two traits. I think intention is so important when it comes to buying cards. So here is the scenario that I went through this week that I am, it was a great learning experience and excited to share. So I talk about, I mentioned, I don't know if I fully mentioned it here, but I'm building out the WWE Panini 1 out of 10 gold set out of Chronicles. Like John Hedges, I love the ones. They're amazing looking cards. I have a fondness for the product. I'm pretty damn close too. I've got, there's 30 cards. I think, I don't know, last time I had seven or eight cards left I got. So I'm, I'm digging in. I'm trying to complete that. And I can't wait to complete it and take the picture and share it with all of you. Throughout this, I woke up. Um, I want to shout out Wrestling Card Wizard who made me aware of this. But the Rock 1 of 1 came available. Now I talked about I'm collecting the golds out of 10. But the Rock 1 of 1 came available. The images of him with a guitar. I posted the, the gold. You can see it on my page. It was taken in 2003. And it was... The Rock with a guitar singing to Stone Cold on the road to WrestleMania 19. This was this happened in Sacramento. Now, at first, I thought the image was a little silly, um, but as time has gone on, my perspective has completely changed. The image to me represents the entertainment side of The Rock, and it's a small glimpse at what he would become. And so, when Wrestling Card Wizard, I woke up to a DM where he said, hey man, this is available on a Facebook group, thought you might be interested. I saw the price and immediately I got caught up in the price, the list price. I was like, you know what? That's way too high. I'm collecting the golds. I don't need this card. So I went on with my work day, chatted with a couple friends about it. Then as time passed, I was like, you know what? Like, what am I thinking? Like, I need this card. Not only do I need this card, I know deep down, that I appreciate this card, this set, more than probably anybody else in the wrestling card community. I love these cards. And the opportunity was out there to get what many would say the best card of them all, the rock one of one. And so I hit up the seller. I decided to hit him up. And you get the first, uh, what I can tell you, amazing individual, great communication back and forth but and he would admit it, he admitted he was a little inexperienced when it came to selling something like this and so i'm trying to navigate a one-on-one sale with him try to get on the same page and i there was no he had a price i didn't agree with the price and so you go back and you talk and then you leave the conversations and you come back and there was a time where there was partial trade and I shared a bunch of cards that I would make available and it, nothing ended up kind of working itself out. So finally, I this card went up on eBay. It went up on eBay with auction style um, with a, a best offer. And so my perspective was, I just need to make this guy an offer. And so I made him an offer. And then I thought about it for a minute. And I was like, you know, it sucks when you have to do that. And it, it wasn't, he wasn't trying to go shop my offer around, but that's what mo happens in most cases. But he, I just needed to say, this is what I'm comfortable at. So then I waited for 12 hours or so. And then I just said, hey, 
my deal expires on noon on, on Saturday. If this is something you're interested in, let's get this deal done. If not, we can move on. And so I wake up Saturday, busy. And I'm like, oh, I got to look down at my Facebook Messenger. Look at, look down at it. And he gave me the reason and said, let's get this deal done. We both were running around. I said, when we get home, let's get on the same page, get the money over to you, get shipment, everything else out. So uh, the the deal was complete. This card hopefully will have hit my mailbox by the time this goes live. Having to work out how we're going to ship it, all this other stuff. Uh, but I feel very, very grateful. I feel very, very grateful because I know this is a card that is has a place in my PC. and. Based on going through this process, the negotiation, the deal making, it is a card that I deeply will appreciate for a long, long time. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you enjoy these stories. Hopefully you enjoy what I'm having to say. Really appreciate everyone who comes in each week and listens to this show. Love this hobby. I love collecting. Hopefully you're enjoying it half as much as me. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. An episode with Drake. Adam Gilman coming up on Friday. Peace out.